All right, everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by our wonderful public school system here in Prescott, Arizona. The Prescott Unified School District has been serving children for over 150 years. And while the community and district has grown and changed considerably since 1868, the commitment to children, families, and the community remains the same to this day. PUSD welcomes all students, including those who live outside the district boundaries, because at Prescott Unified School District, every child, every day, Everywhere matters. Proceeds from your membership and our advertisers with Raven Productions goes directly to supporting the arts programs in the PUSD. Welcome to The Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have the most dynamic and fun guest. Her name is Geraldine Stevens. Geraldine Stevens is an eight-time Emmy-nominated and Guild Award-winning hairstylist for The Voice and other top-rated TV shows. She is also the author of The Five F Words to Manifesting Your Life. Her mission is for everyone to dream big or don't bother. If you'd like to learn more about Geraldine Stevens, please see our show notes to get links to her social media accounts and website. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. I have a really fun, really bright and shiny and lovely and enthusiastic and charismatic and completely contagious smile of a person. Every time you smile, I think everyone around you smiles, Gerilyn. Welcome to the podcast. This is Gerilyn Stevens. Um, she is an eight-time Hi. Emmy Award-nominated hairstylist, right? Am I getting all your facts and stats right? Yeah, eight-time Emmy nominated. Yeah. Nominated. That's okay. It's okay. It's You're the Susan Lucci. Like, everybody has to be nominated a hundred times, and then you'll win, and everybody will be like, finally. I don't, I, I don't mind it. It's all good. <laughs> let's, if you don't mind, let's start at the very, very beginning, because we love to focus on journey and all the shifts and pivots, especially when you're a creative person and you yeah. kind of follow a creative off-the-beaten-path, you know, not the nine-to-five corporate traditional in quotes kind of career. Where were you born? Tell me about your family and the kind of kiddo you were out the gate. Okay. Well, (laughs) okay. So Northern Michigan, Traverse city, I was born. Um, you know, my childhood was good. There was nothing that happened bad, but there was really no, um, like, Oh, you can be anyone you want to be or be anything you want to be. There wasn't, my family was very much like, okay, I wasn't a great student. I mean, I'm smart and I'm street smart. And like, I just didn't have a lot of motivation in school to do well. Well, academia, even on for a kid is a different skill. It is. I, I think that's the thing is that I think most people are quite smart. There are certain people who naturally gravitate toward this, the, study of knowledge. And then there are people who can kind of figure it out and fake it. And then there are people that are like, listen, I operate really well in day-to-day life and I'm a really smart human being, but don't ask me to like read 17 chapters and memorize it. (laughs) You know? Totally. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, so when I, you know, I was kind of a lost child growing up and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. My dad very much encouraged me to get a business degree and do accounting, which, um, is what I started out doing in college and decided to drop out and move to Seattle, Washington with a boyfriend. And okay, wait, wait, um, wait, I'm stopping you right there. Cause we got to back it up, back it up. You were born in Michigan. Do you have any siblings? Oh, I have a brother. He's eight years younger than me. Okay. Um, so I'm, do you want to know my age now? No, I don't. I never talk about age. I just talk about oh. the where's and how, I mean, unless you want to, by all means. Oh, I just oh, think it's well. better to let people decide and hear about your life and not divvy it up it. to a number. Yeah. Um, so, but a small family, small yeah. family, just, just him. So, you know, him being so much younger than me, we weren't really that close until we got actually older. Got it. Um, my parents, you know, um, God love them. God love them. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I, <Yeah>. hope, <laughs> I hope for that too. God love them. Um, <laughs> were you by nature, like, let's t- talk about kind of elementary school. Were you kind of an outgoing kid, a creative kid? Were you an introverted shy kid? No, I'm very much outgoing. Yeah. Yeah. And so no, in those- I, I, I was that one who talked too much all the time in all the classes. <laughs> Got it. And did you ever, as a younger person, did you ever think about your life in a dreamscape as far as, did you have any ideas of what you thought you would want to be before your dad was like, go be an accountant and all of this? Did you have I, any inkling of what you might like or dream about? No, I didn't have any dreams. I really, like I said, I was a lost child. I actually got into drinking and drugs a lot when I was in high school. Um, and you know, my graduation present out of high school was rehab. Um, see, I actually didn't, I didn't know that about you for all the years I've known you. I did not know that. (laughs) I love learning these details. Well, because I mean, it shapes the whole thing, right? I mean, that says so much to who you are when we get into who you've become. I, I mean, I think that's such an incredible detail. It's a huge part of my life is, um, you know, recovery and, you know, and the reason why I say, I know my parents won't listen to this, so it's fine. (laughs) Um, but you know, my whole family struggles with alcoholism and if, you know, if you're not sober like myself, then you're drinking a lot. So, um, that's kind of how my family is. And I choose sobriety. You know, I choose the life that I'm living. So that, that graduation present actually was a blessing because it wasn't my first jump into sobriety. Um, I was sober two and a half years. It was during the Nancy Reagan movement, just say no to drugs. And, um, what that did, that did is it gave me a foundation of sobriety, the tools that I received and, um, to know kind of how to, where to go when, you know, I couldn't handle it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. So you went into, after high school, you went into a rehab program and then did you go into college from there or did you? I did. Okay. And what school did you go to and how, was it, was it a question for you? Was it one of those things that you, I will go to college or I must go to college or was it just like, I I don't know what I'm doing, so I might as well go. (laughs) I was in a place of desperate, um, approval, uh, from my family. And so I just went to the community college in our area 
and went, I, you know, I, I studied accounting and the business management for about two years. And then I was going to go to, um, a university in Michigan. And I just said, no, I can't. And I, I was like, I'm going to beauty school. <laughs> Got That's it. what I'm going to do. Yeah. And you know, and I kind of, what, inspi- what, what inspired that decision? Did you think like, I can do this or were you just like, I don't know, but at least I can make a living do this. You know, um, my mom was a kitchen cutter, if you will. She had her beauty like beautician's license. Um, up until I was four years old, she worked in a salon or beauty shop at the time. And then she decided to quit that business and help my dad with his retail stores. And what happened, she would cut my hair in the kitchen, our whole family. And that was her extent, right? And then give me my perms in the eighties and all that. (laughs) So then I then started just cutting people's hair because it sounded fun and it looked easy. And so that's kind of, but I never ever thought and dreamt about like doing hair as a career until I got into that desperate moment of what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. So, and did you feel that desperate moment pretty early on? Like where, I mean, at what point did you have that kind of like, oh, I'm on my own now and I need to figure out my life? Well, here's how that went down. I was like, okay, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Minneapolis to Horst Institute, which is um, the biggest, best um, Aveda concept uh, school in Minneapolis. And then my dad, and it was expensive. And my dad was like, well, you know, you're going to have to get a job, the city. And he scared me about the city, right? About moving away. Oh, oh, got it. and, And so what happened was, is I just... I got so freaked out that I wouldn't be able to go to school and go to beauty, like, and work and being in a big city at, you know, 19 years old, it just, he, he didn't mean to, but it blocked me. The fear just, I hit a wall and I said, I'm not going. And then it took another year and I moved to Seattle and Seattle's actually where I decided at the age of 25 to actually go to beauty school, work jobs, go to school, pay my rent. (laughs) So you just had to gain a little bit of your own maturity and confidence at that point. But what inspired the move to Seattle? Uh, A boyfriend. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's why I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because because I'm a follower at the time. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm a leader. Yeah. Right. And it's like back then I was so insecure and my self-image was so low that I just wanted to do whatever anybody told me to do. And so he was like, I'm moving to Seattle. Come with me. It's grunge, whatever. You know, it's the nineties. That's how I'm dating myself way back. But 91, I moved to Seattle and, and literally I saw Nirvana in a cafeteria at Evergreen State College and walked out. You were just like, not for me. (laughs) Oh, you're like, "Ah, imagine the low, (laughs) imagine the low ceilings in a cafeteria with Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. And you were just like, no, Seattle's doing its own thing. I'm not a part of this. <laughs> yeah. So I was bartending again, now drinking again. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, so- just curious if you don't mind talking about it. At that point, did you have a different outlook? Like, oh, I can handle it now. This isn't a problem. It's just the way life is going now. Like, did you feel like you were grown up enough to handle it in a different way, living in a new city? Uh, I felt that... Yeah. A part of it was like, I felt like I was too young to know 
Okay. Even though everyone around me, my grandfather had just died of alcoholism and, you know, it's like, it was surrounding me, but honestly, as an alcoholic that loves alcohol, I was a bartender. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, let's just try this and see how long this works. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. That's where my brain was going. Yeah. And I, I continued down that avenue until I was 33. Wow. And did during mm-hmm. that time, did you have, had, during that time you were going to school, you were working, you were still pers- getting your, your beauty licensing, right? So yeah. how were you managing it now it, through that period while partying, while being up late nights? Were you just like, I'm just going to do it. Because, I mean, that's the upside of your 20s, right? I mean, the upside of your 20s is that it's like three hours of sleep, two hours of sleep. Ah, I don't know. I'm just going to show up and get it done. It doesn't happen. Once you you get into your 30s, suddenly you're like, oh, shit. Sleep is wonderful. Oh, my God. You're so right. I mean, 20s, the way we bounce back day after day. I don't even know how that happened. It was a blur. Honestly, my life was a blur in the the 90s. And... um, you know, it, it made me who I am today, but yeah, I mean, we just kept going, uh, but you know what the thing is too, Candace, is I was hanging around similar people, right? We attract who we are. And for some reason, you know, it made me and who I was okay. Mm-hmm. And, and actually not even that bad yeah. compared to some people. So, you know, um, now I attract much different people. So <laughs> yeah. that's the beauty of evolution, you know, and, and that's the kind yeah. of discussion we love to talk about because it, it does all it, all of it is the journey and all of it shapes you, but it definitely unfolds in interesting ways. So when did you graduate beauty school and what did you, were you like hitting the ground running or were you in, invested yet? Or were you just kind of like, okay, well I got the license. I still no, have a boyfriend. I hit the boyfriend. I hit, I hit the ground running. I actually broke up with that boyfriend, by yeah. the way. Um, there was several in between and after that, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's another issue. Um, but I literally, um, while I was in beauty school, I, I was turning 25 years old. I was like, I do not want to bartend the rest of my life. I need to do something with my life. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to beauty school. So I signed up and while I was in beauty school is where I found my purpose. I was like, oh my God, I love making people feel good. Like that it was like the first time in my life that I felt of value. Yeah. And I then got to visit a film set because a lot of filming was going on in Seattle. And one of my girlfriends started dating a grip. So he invited us to like big Hollywood um, films that he was working on and we would go visit set and they were all so nice. And they invited me into the makeup and hair trailers. And, you know, he's like, she's in beauty school. She wants to do this one day. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And, and they like were so kind. And at that moment is when I knew my dream. Yeah. So in beauty school was such a pivotal point for me because, you know, events in your life happen. And you don't realize like how dramatic of a change that is for you until later. So I discovered my purpose, discovered my dream. And then at that point, I was like, what do I need to do to go to Los Angeles? I need to get my makeup. Um, Now, is that because you were very clear? You were like, Los Angeles is where there's more of this, the filming, the set aspect. So you at this point already had your eyes locked in on a very specific lane in the beauty world of hair and makeup and this, it was going to be for 
film and TV. Yeah. You weren't like, yeah. oh, I'm going to own my own salon and be on an island and cut hair. No, I mean, not ever once. Yeah. Now I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but so you were very clear, like once that you had that epiphany and you found your calling in a sense, you were like, I'm going this way. Yeah. And, you know, I knew exactly, I knew that I wanted to be in film and television. I think like TV Hollywood, right? Yeah. So when I actually found the gumption to move here after I did all of this work to put together a portfolio and to become confident in my makeup skills, because when you're a freelance artist to do both makes you very valuable. And I've always been that person that is like, okay, if I want to, if I want to do that, how do I become the best? Right. Because I'm not just going to slide in under the radar. I want to like be someone yeah. to help people. And, and you know, so I moved to LA and it was like, I realized I met some people that changed my life. And, and there was an avenue of like the agency um, aspect of hair and makeup with celebrity red carpet, magazine shoes, things like that, editorial. Then there was commercial TV. Then there was um, film. Right. And so I tried a little bit of each and I discovered and sort of just landed into like reality TV. Okay. So pause right there for a second, because what begs the question for me is somebody listening who's like, okay, so she just landed in LA and just tried a bit of each. Like how does one, are you answering cattle calls or Craigslist ads? Like how does one from Seattle originally by way of Michigan, introduce themselves at that time. Anyway, I think things always change and constantly evolve, but like at that time, what did you do is like the, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. What was your first step? Oh, well, I had to get sober again. (laughs) Okay. No, but that's great. I mean, good. That's truly, you had that, that moment, that clarity, like, well, at that, at that point, I definitely had a rock bottom. So I definitely knew that I needed to change my life. And at that point, I like started opening up every self-help book and I discovered law of attraction. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this? What, this was 2003. The secret came out in 2004. Have you heard of that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So 2003, I'm discovering like, this law of attraction, like, wait, if I think things and if I stay positive and if I like get into like a feel good sensation, this is going to change my life. I was like, this is bull crap and <laughs> I'm going to prove it wrong. <laughs> Amazing. Or I'm going to prove Amazing. it right. You're like, actually, it's going to go one of two ways. Actually in my mind, cause I was in such a desperate situation. I was like, all right, I'm going to prove this right. Because literally in two months of like discovering this, I landed meeting those three women that changed my life. So, um, yeah. So at that point is like how it just, it really is about manifesting and like believing in yourself and believing in your dreams. And, um, you know, most people I talk to that are say in beauty school, cause I speak at, at a lot of schools and hair shows and things like that about my journey. And, you know, a lot of them can't picture any of that, but that makes a fabulous dream because if that's your goal, something you can't even like, Oh my God, that scares the crap out of me. Like, how would I ever be there? Like, that's crazy. That's the dream and goal you want to go after because that's the one you're going to grow the most from. Right. So that's kind of how that all happened. 
Amazing. So you kind of got a little tasting of each section, subsection of Hollywood, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And then what resonated the most or how did you then turn your sights on creating, you know, actual goals to manifest within that hierarchy of moving up through the industry? Because there's, I mean, I would imagine there's qualifications and hours and like you said, becoming in unions or getting those kinds of things. I mean, there's... Yeah, I... There's I paperwork. collected the days. Yeah. yeah. Well, I worked the amount of days that I needed on non-union stuff, which is a lot. Um, and I uh, ended up joining the, I actually had a producer that was on a non-union shoot who was like, I'm doing this shoot. I'm doing this um, talk show about uh, the, the host was um, Greg Barrett. He wrote the book. He's just not that into you. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I bought that book for people. (laughs) Um, I have a signed copy called she, he called me super Fox and I'm worthy of being a wife or a girlfriend because at the time the, the guy thing, that's a whole nother, another thing. Yeah. But, um, it's like, I was able to join the union through that show. So I did it. And that was actually a very pivotal point, not only joining the union, but then creating the room for my husband to come into my life. It's just been a really great journey. Yeah. So I remember because where, where our lives cross, you were still pursuing you you had kind of as I'm, if I'm recalling this correctly I think maybe you had joined the union or you, you had gotten your sights on it and I remember you had left your salon job and you were willing to do my hair in your house because <laughs> I was like you're the best hairdresser ever you can't dump me for tv and <laughs> you started like doing my hair at your house but you were um I remember you were very actively like, oh no, I'm going to get this. And you had your, you yeah. had your eyes on different levels within the levels. So it was like there, and I'm going to get these wrong. I know I am, but there are the people that oversee the whole hair and makeup department. And then there are the worker bees in the hair and makeup department. Yeah. And then, and I remember you being kind of in that worker bee phase and you were like, oh no, yes. that this might be where I am now, but it will be my, my show to run before I know it. Yeah. You know, you were very clear on that. Yeah. Gosh, you remember that. Um, yeah. It's the department head hairstylist. That's what it is. Yeah. I want to be the boss, babe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, but like, you know, I wanted, cause I love, um, you know, that aspect of managing people, even though hairdressers are sometimes a little bit crazy, (laughs) but, um, I love to be the leader. I love to have creative control. And, um, and I feel like I've, grown over the last, like, I've been doing that for like seven years now, the department head. And I feel like I've grown so much and evolved so much and being able to nurture people and not like scold. So you, you like, what is it? If you're a leader, your objective is to make people better. And that's kind of what I love to do. Yeah. So in this period of time, as you are you know, changing kind of your philosophical headspace and you have joined the union and you've just gotten a show under your belt. At that point, was it 
kind of a networking game for you where you like, I will go out and be a mixer or just pick up a job here or there just to get on that set and meet more of these people? And how did you kind of wrap your brain around the growth? Gosh, I mean, I said yes to everything. You know, I, I said yes to everything. And, and so I was working day playing, you know, going here, going there. Um, so, and then I met, um, uh, the department had makeup for the voice. She, the voice didn't exist at this time, but she was, um, department heading other shows. And then we met and then she started bringing me on her shows. And then she referred me to the department head hairstylist of the voice when that show came together. And so then I was a part of his worker B team. Right. Yeah. And then season three, I became his key, which is second in charge. And then season nine, he left. We are now on season 19. So um, I've been the department head since then. Wow. So, and, and then once you have that, it's like, I'm, that's all I'm getting called for. It's, right. Hey, can you department head this and that? And I'm like, that's exactly where I want to be. Yeah. You know? Did, did a show like The Voice allow you to get, cause, and I'm speaking from a fan aspect here. I mean, I would imagine you had all this room to get really creative in hair and makeup and kind of the direct, cause each artist has their own kind of evolution in their styles and their looks and their, yeah. was that something new for you as well, as far as getting to do something on such a grand scale with so many different types of people and so many different looks and so many different, I mean, yeah. obviously this is where a lot of your Emmy nominations come from. Cause you guys turn and burn on these yeah. amazing styles. How was that in, yeah. in a learning curve? You know, I mean, it's been a learning curve over the last, uh, 19 seasons, you know, really, you know, making sure I have a diverse team to handle everyone that comes through our, you know, department. Um, I love to elevate from like the blind auditions, you know, people be themselves and then just sort of elevate their hair looks a little bit. And then once we get to the lives, that's where we can have a lot more fun. And that's the best part of it, except if you're in COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this year I'm calling it COVID hair yeah. because they're responsible for doing themselves. And then we just have to touch them up. So um, it's not as fun. But that, that's sort of like, I love that nurturing of saying to the, the artist, like, where, who, how do you want America to see you? You know, yeah. this is your chance. This is your chance to become the person you want to be. Okay. And along the way, it's my job to teach you how to do your hair. Yeah. So that when <laughs> you leave here, I see you on the gram and you're like looking all great because of what you learned in our department, you know? Yeah. I'm curious when you say something like, cause that is a massive and open-ended, huge, beautiful question that I think we should all be asking ourselves all the time, actually, is how do you want the world to see you, America to see you? How do you want anyone you cross? How do you want to be presented in this moment of time? Do you get a lot of blank stares or do you get people who are like, this is it, let's run? I have some that are like, I know exactly what I want to be. And they have like a whole Pinterest board already of who they want to become. Then there's like girls that are, or guys too, but oh gosh, let me think about that. And then they come and they have a board of hair inspiration. I go, don't worry about the length girl. Cause I can add hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and but I want to teach you how to put in your own hair too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a question. Sometimes the younger ones get that blank stare a little bit because they've never been asked. So at that point, then do you ever have room or does anybody ever look to you for your creativity and goes, What do you think would look great on me? Are there those moments where you're yeah. the kind of the creator, innovator of some of this, you know, evolution and well, growth for these people? Yes. I mean, you always have to think about what's your song, right? right? What's the wardrobe? And then if there's like, you know, a big high collar or something that, you know, they're wearing, I obviously want to showcase that and have the hair back right, or up or something. So the hair, the makeup, the wardrobe, um, and the song really, you know, in the set as well, because our lighting design is amazing. Yeah. And it's, it, all of that goes into the look. So even that, I'm glad you brought that up. So even in, as being the, you know, head of the hair department, you're working with a lot of other departments, which gives your job a lot of interactive, um, kind of creativity, but also respect boundaries. Like, okay, if lights are doing this, like we need to be aware of that. And if, if the song is emoting this, we need to be aware of that. So you're really working with a whole list of creative entities just to fulfill one arm aspect of it, which is really cool. Yeah. Have you ever had to deal with conflict with other creatives where they're like, no, 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 this will be the way. And you're like, well, (laughs) you know, I just learned, um, there's a time and a place that I may want to push something. And if someone else wants to have a little bit more creative, um, you know, input or make the, say the eye makeup or something more of the showcase. I'm all for it. It's like, I can do something. I can pull the hair back or if it's the wardrobe, I I just, I don't have a, I don't fight for anything that I don't believe that shouldn't be fought for. Right. Right. Like if the artist is like, I really want my hair to be like this. Like I really want it to be like this. And, um, then I will push for it because, you know, we have NBC, we have producers. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and our, right. uh, on our TV, right? So like if, um, you know, if, if they are really wanting something, I will push for it and go out on a limb for it and, and try and get that for them. Because you're awesome. Now, I, in the last, I'm going to may or may not get this right, in the last year, maybe year and a half for two years, you have also added author to your list of jobs. So tell me a little bit about becoming an author and and what inspired that and how and why and all the reasons. Well, okay. So I'm the author of the five F words to manifesting your life. And those F words are figure, figure out what you want, focus, your thoughts become things, fearless action, feel it already existing and faith faith in yourself, faith that you believe it'll happen. Today's episode is brought to you by the Natural History Institute, located at 126 North Marina Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. The Natural History Institute is a nonprofit which seeks to cultivate love and understanding of the natural world. They have programs for naturalists of all stripes, newcomer, novice, and veteran. All are welcome who are looking to deepen their relationship with the natural world. Please check out their website at naturalhistoryinstitute.org. 
or head to their Natural History YouTube channel. So what happened was in um, early 2018, I kind of got to that place in my life. I was like, gosh, I'm so happy. I'm so blessed. Everything that I've wanted has happened. My husband, my son, my career, like I was living a life that I had never imagined as big, right? And so I was like, how can I give back? And I just kind of put it out to the universe. I was like, you know what, universe, let me be your vessel. I want to share my life. And then next thing you know, it's like things started to happen. And so then the next thing you know, and, you know, all of these things happened through 2018 that put me into a position to start speaking at beauty schools and hair shows. So I spent all of 2019 doing that along with my shows, but just sharing my journey and, uh, and how, uh, the five F words, um, how you can get there using the five F words, law of attraction, right? So soon, early on, like three months into speaking, people were asking me, do you have a book? You're so empowering. And I just love your story. And I was like, no, I don't have a book. Like I'm in my head going, you're not an author. And so, um, and what I had done is I hired a speaking coach when I knew I was going to start speaking. Cause I knew that, you know, I want to rise up and, and be the best I can possibly be. And then I had a keynote, you know, for presentation to go with that. And then, so at that point I was like, I need a writing coach. I need somebody to help me because I, other what, A, what does a coach do? They keep you on track yeah. <laughs> keep you going and accountable and, and accountable. And so, um, I hired her. She's amazing. And she just, she speaks my language. So we just wrote this beautiful book and I'm like, I want it to be under a hundred pages. That is my goal. Right. Keep it simple and easy to, to soak in. Easy, easy. Who has time to read? First of all. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, it's true because we're, we're in an era of like articles and headlines and quick, quick fix reads. Not, not that I don't love a beautiful novel, but it's like, it's nobody goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down and read 700 pages today. Right. I want to read this novel. Um, it's literally 97 pages, um, really clear, easy, direct. Um, people really relate to it. Um, and there, and people are thanking me like women, especially they're just like, Oh my God, I, you know, I talk about sobriety. I use examples of how I've manifested things. And, and even a funny story is I was manifesting a husband and I said, (laughs) you know, I'll just add in. I was there for this chapter of your life. So please continue. (laughs) But I wrote, I wrote all these beautiful things, you know, and then I added at the end, I was like, you know, Annie must be rich. Okay. (laughs) I mean, why not? Right. And so I started dating this guy. And after a few months, I said to my girlfriends, I was like, you know, he's really all of these qualities, but he has no ambition. Like I really thought he might right? because we all were striving to be someone, you know, in, in LA especially, right? And so I'm like, maybe he's got it in him. And, you know, rather than coming out direct and just be like, dude, do you have any ambition? Like I had to see it over. Some, and I'm like, he literally has no ambition. And I'm finding that ambition is rather, rather sexy. And so my girlfriend goes, oh, that's too bad. Poor Rich. You're going to break up with him. Rich. 
I manifested a guy named Rich. So I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. The universe has a sense of humor. And I just learned I need to be more specific in what what I want. Yes. So I wrote down over six digits. Now today I might write over seven digits. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the evolution. (laughs) Right. But yeah, like I wanted him to be ambitious and love his career and like happy to go to work, not come home and complain about it. Like these are things that I wanted. And that's exactly what I got. Yeah. And Danny's a good guy, Danny Stevens. And he is also in entertainment as well. He is. He's a key grip. He like has a rental business and the whole bit. We've really evolved together. You guys have. Yeah. Yeah, because when I met him, he was a dolly grip, you know, and we were just like, I was a hairstylist and he was a dolly grip and, and now we've become our own bosses and he does really well and he loves his job. Like he loves what he does, which is such a, it's so nice to have someone come home and be like happy that he's home, but also happy. He had a great day. Yeah. I love that. I wish that for everybody always. Um, If you can find And that's so much a part of the creative journey. When people who are driven by things that aren't, I mean, let me, let me rephrase this. I believe most people are worried about money on some level, whether it's even paying for top ramen and their rent, or whether it's acquiring great wealth. People have concerns of money because that's the society and world we live in. That being said, I think that for inclined creative people, that journey looks a little tougher because it's not just a go get this degree, which gets you to this job, which will start you at this payroll, which then, you know, we all in our endeavors kind of have this climbing game and sometimes we're stepping left and right, but hopefully still gaining another rung on that ladder. But there, there is this point in this evolution where you're like, money actually matters. (laughs) And it would be really nice if if for like what you just said, it would be really nice to do the job that I want to do and that I love so that I don't come home resentful of my day, but also yeah. while doing a job I love, you know, being able to solidify my own well-being in a monetary capacity, you know? And so, like you said, to have somebody come home every day and go, I loved my day. I loved what I did. And now I'm happy to be home with you, but also getting a paycheck going, and now we're building our life together and we're able to get that next chapter up on the ladder. And now we're our own bosses. And, and this creative force that we started out with just through passion and love has not only maintained that, but now become lucrative. And that's a really fantastic place to be. (laughs) I mean, that is kind of the pinnacle, you know? It really is. I mean, financial freedom, right? It doesn't mean I have to be a millionaire. It just means that if things come up, it's like, okay, great. There's a baseball tournament. All right. Another thousand dollars. Fine. You know what I mean? It's like those kind of things that come up. It's like, those are what I've dreamt about my whole life is not to have to worry. Right. right? Because when I grew up, money was a worry. And I just did not want to feel that in my life. Even at a younger age, when I was bartending, I mean, I would stop at the ATM and throw most of my tip into the bank because I knew if it was in my pocket, Right. It was going to get spent on stupid stuff. Yeah. Right. So I never wanted to be in that position. 
financial freedom is the key. Yeah, which makes sense. Can you share with me at all, have you, because I think it's another important aspect of business, but also the journey of becoming who you are, and you've mentioned it a number of times, the way you approach people and the and the design of, you know, bringing people to their best, but instead of through criticism, through support and through, you know, um, having channels of positivity. How do you, or can you give me an example of a day that went incredibly wrong? <laughs> in your industry? Is there a, a part of your job that you have to deal with conflict in a way that you're, you ever question, oh gosh, will I still be on this job tomorrow? Or did you have times coming up where you made a bonehead mistake that you learned from and went note to self? No, there's been plenty of those, but, <laughs> but they can't see you. But by the look on your face, I was like, wow, she's really like trying to figure out one. Maybe she's never had one of these. And then you go, oh yeah, there've been plenty of I mean, yeah, there's, I can't, I can't think of one specific thing, but I always recall myself saying noted in my head, right? Noted, noted, never do that again. Um, you know, it's, it's funny too, as a department head, um, I've kind of accumulated a store full of, um, anything to have, right? So like, you know, I'm on some really creative shows. I was on lip sync battle for a long time. And it would be like last, like literally that morning. I didn't morning, know like, you did I, that show. I did the last two seasons. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so fun to watch. I mean, that was crazy, Candace. <laughs> that show, oh my God, made me into such a good department head. Yeah. I literally would have to pull things out of like literally shake a wig that was nasty and matted and all out of the bottom of a bin and then create it into this beautiful like piece. Yeah. Right. I do not even know how that happens, but it did. And those are things like, I'm like, thank God I kept that. You know, it's yeah. like, I'll throw it in the bottom, never use that again. It should go in the trash. And then all of a sudden they're like, can we have this like Da, 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 Marilyn Monroe, we're going to put pink and, you know, think, um, you know, so-and-so 1980, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. okay. And that's in the morning. <laughs> I'll, I'll the get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no problem. Got it. And that's what, that's what I've learned over the years too, is like, no problem. And this is the importance of having a good team or a good band, right. Yeah. Or a good, whatever, right. It's support like, system. Yeah. I, my team I am only as good as my team, right? So when somebody says they need something or they want something, I look at them and I'm in my head going, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> um, and, and I and out, I smile and I go, no problem. Yeah. And then I run away. I go, <laughs> and I go to the team. How am I going to make this happen? Ah. But somehow it's like a mastermind, right? You come together, you use your best knowledge and you're like, well, what if we do this? What if we do that? What if we add this? And everybody's like, oh, and then your creative juices are happening. And that's how you make things work. And that works in every aspect of your life. I couldn't agree with you more. I, my, I'm looking at Dylan through the, the glass of our recording studio and he's not looking back at me, but uh, very often I'm, I'm probably the person with the insane idea and he's the good person <laughs> along with Steve who, who they go, mm, okay. And then we just go, <laughs> let's make it happen. And we all have to do the same thing. Um, and you're absolutely right. It works in almost every scenario to lean on people you trust and use creativity and grow beyond the, the hardship and go, there's a solution. There's always a solution. Let's figure it out. Um, yeah. that is awesome. On a personal note, you mentioned your son. 
Um, yeah. How has that been being a mother coming up in Hollywood with a child balancing mom life versus big boss life versus, you know, after school activities and long shoot days because, and please feel free to correct me, but like, I would imagine episodic and film are really, really long days. TV, how is that schedule? How does all that work? Yeah, I don't do film and episodic for that reason, because I definitely want to be a mom. Right. And so honestly, with the voice and all those types of shows, like I do, you know, like the lip sync battles, like, you know, um, I do Songland yeah. and a Disney show called Fam Jam. So they're all these competitive Do you still do shows. Shark Tank as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, so, just throw a few more on there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do the guys on that, you know, all my male sharks. That's been a great blessing. Um, but it's like, I like those types of shows because it's not a Monday through Friday gig. It's like, we do, we call them pods kind of, right? It's like this pod, we're shooting like nine days. Then the next month you're shooting like, you know, 15 days. And then, you know, so it's like, or some shows like Lip Sync was always shot on the weekends for six weeks, which I hate weekends because that takes away from my baseball, my son. So it's like, you have to balance. I don't believe that there's a balance. Okay. So when people, how do you balance your life? I go, there's no balance. It's, it's, it's like, well, right now in the moment, it's kind of like, we're doing lives. We're about to enter the lives and, and, but I'll have, you know, these few days on the back end of the week, you know? So it's, it's kind of like, you have to, you know, it's the, it that, what is that thing called? The scale, like like scales of justice. Like you're just, you're just tilting the weight here to there. You you might be balanced for about two hours. And then... But it's kind of just how we work it out. But I will have times that I have three weeks off. Right. At least, at least twice a year on a normal year. And then it'll be like a week off. And then it'll be like, you know, a couple weeks off. So it's it's like I have a lot of time to then all of a sudden I'm mom mode. Yeah. And my son during the pandemic, you guys, the quarantine, he was like, I never thought I would say this. Um, I kind of think. I'm glad you're not a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> you're all, thank you, question he, mark. <laughs> he literally was giving me a hard time um, not too long before we got a shutdown. He was like, I wish you were a stay-at-home mom. And I looked at him, I was like, I would ride your butt all day long, okay? And he's like, oh, no, you wouldn't. And then <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I want to go back to school and I want you to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, that grass is always greener thing. It's not always a greener patch of grass. It's just a lot of thorny weeds that are green. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I've really enjoyed this time with my family though. Yeah. It's been a blessing. I think there's been I mean, a lot of it's hard. great silver linings. There's definitely there really the, the, the bulk of it. There's a lot of not so great. But there are silver linings that I think people are relishing. And I think part of that is getting this time to connect with people we love mm-hmm. and be at yeah. home and have conversations we don't make time for and learn something we never tried to do before and, you know, expand ourselves in ways that we maybe just didn't have time to do before. Yeah. Um, so I agree you know, with you. And what I loved about that was, you know, didn't you feel like everything was like, go, go, go. I need to be better. I need to strive. Maybe that was just my thing, (laughs) Um, but like trying to always reach the next level and like, 
And well, especially because I was launching my book and doing all that speaking, it got exhausting. I was like, why now can't I just be happy right here, right now? Right? Calm down. Like, take a breath. Because I just wanted to like help people. Right? And now it's like, oh, I got to like calm. Yeah. Decompress. Happens. Everything happens the way it's going to happen. If people want you to help them, girl, they they will come to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They will buy your book. And speaking of, tell us where we can buy your book, where everybody can buy, look and find and buy your book. You can for sure get it on Amazon. Um, and if you want to go to my website, which is my name, GeraldineStevens.com, I have it on there and you would actually pay, you'd have to pay for the shipping, but I'll sign it and I'll put in a sticker and make it personalized to you. Awesome. So let me ask you a couple of questions. I like to ask all my guests, if you don't Uh mind with this immense career that you've built and the journey that you've unfolded and the life lessons along the way, especially with sobriety and then becoming a mom and that balance or lack thereof that we just talked about, the shifting weights, what would you tell that little kind of lost kid now? What would you give, what would your advice be to the 13 year old or the, you know, freshman high schooler? what I talk to my son about. And I also talk at high schools, but just like, you know, I wish I knew what I knew know now back then. And that's what I try and do as well Is like, you can be and do anything you want. You, there's certain things you have to do in a certain way to make this all happen. But it's like, I teach my son affirmations. Okay. If, you know, he wasn't feeling smart, he was feeling unorganized, he was, um, you know, not focused, he kept forgetting things. This was back when school was in and stuff. And I looked at him and I go, say, I'm smart, organized, and focused. I'm smart, organized, and focused. And he's like, ugh, mom. And I'm like, say it. For two weeks, he was getting out of the car. And he's like, I'm smart, organized, and focused. And he gets out, right? But two weeks later, he looks at me, he goes, mom, mom. He's like, I'm smart, organized, and focused, but no, I really am. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, see, it works. It works. You need to, you need to stay in that, like, like whatever. I just want everybody to know that no matter what age you can have and be whoever you want, you know, everyone is worthy of your goals and dreams. I could not agree with you more. And investing in the choice to believe it. You know, if you're, you can choose the words you let your brain repeat. One can be like, oh my God, I'm so lost. I'm so tired. I'm failing. I suck. Or you can choose to say, brain, today I am organized, focused, and, you know, smart. And if you choose that every day, there's going to be a point that says, yes, I am. And look. Yeah. I wish, I wish I could work, actually, universe, I'm just saying it right now. I would love to work more with young people because so many young people are told otherwise by even their own family members. And it's like, we need to like take that out of, you know, and many adults, we sit here and we're like, we were told we were worthless all our childhood or ugly or fat or whatever. And it's like, we, that stays in your subconscious. And that's, you know, it's such a, it's like, you have to move forward past that, you know, forget about the therapist. I say, Get yourself a coach, move forward, become the woman or guy you were intended to be. Yeah. (laughs) 
So totally. What would you say for you has been a career high and a career low? Well, let's see. Uh, career low. That's hard, Candace. <laughs> well, because the reason I ask that is, is that it's, it's really fun to talk about the successes. It really is. That's my favorite part. I love talking about yeah. all the things that I think I've done that are badass. I mean, go me. But I don't think people hear enough that the people that they look at quote unquote successfully, I don't think they get to hear about how often it turns to shit or the time that you had to pick yourself up off the floor or the time you cried going, this is all I've ever wanted. It's just not lining up the way I thought it would. Or when you feel like a failure because, you know, you made that mental note of never do that again. And then you're questioning if you, you know, know all the steps. I think people need to know that that's happens to everybody. It's somewhere. Okay. The Lowe's girl came when I was drinking. Yeah. All right. My darkest day sober is not anything close. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. I'm not laughing at you. So, for that. I'm just laughing because I, no. I, I, I believe that. <laughs> but, I mean, no, I, but <laughs> seriously, I can name several really low moments, but it had everything to do with alcohol. Interesting. Okay? Um, and yeah, I can name, I can name one that I never want to think about again. And that would be me at a rap party and telling the executive producer what a shit show this was. Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's not your best move. (laughs) No, no, that's horrible. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, that wasn't good. That was really depressing. Have you seen Um, that producer since? Just curious. I don't even know its name. Yeah. It was a shit show. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, if I ever work for those producers, I can't even remember their names. Yeah. I, I'm sure I'm not the, I wasn't the best person. I wasn't your best person probably to have around either because that was a really low point. So those were the low points, but yeah. I have to say, even my worst job I've ever had in sobriety is always like, well, I don't have to take that again. Yeah. Which right? also says a just, lot to your choice of how you choose to look at something, which is an important point too. It's yeah. it's important to look at, you know, quote unquote, low points, failures, or the thing that didn't work out the way as an opportunity to one, make a shift or pivot and say, I don't need to do that again. Like, here's the lesson I've learned. It's an opportunity to learn the lesson more so than yes. a low point, which I think says a lot about who you are and the way you view those obstacles anyway. I had somebody say to me once and I, and I totally get this. She's like, well, you know, you can make these decisions because you're already successful. And I was like, oh, wow. That I, I see what you're saying, but I feel like I've kind of always been that way too, you know, cause I knew where I was headed. Right. I knew what I wanted. And if it didn't feel good, then I would say no. Right. But yes, as I'm successful, um, I mean, is that true? What do you think? Well, yes, I guess. Well, I think no. Well, because I, I would beg to say that you don't become the person with that power without making those choices to have the power. So Mm. to your point, I think those things, probably have happened throughout your career where it's, you make enough 
space to think something through and go, is this good for me? Should I take this job? Can I get by without it? Am I taking it because I have to take it? Am I taking it because I want to take it? Right. And knowing, recognizing what it is for that. Like you said, you said yes to everything when you started, but I would imagine, I'm speaking for you, but I would imagine if there were any serious conflicts or bad things along those way, along the way, that's when you go, okay, I'll say yes now to the nine of the 10 things. And I'm not going to say yes to this type of thing again, where you gain that power and those choices along the way. So that by the time you are quote unquote successful, you've just gained a whole tool bag of knowing what to say yes and no to versus just saying yes to everything. That's true. That being said, perfect transition. Well done, Gerilyn. Um, <laughs> what would you say, how has the word, and again, quote unquote, success, what did it used to mean to you? What does it mean to you now? Has that changed for you? Has it stayed the same? Uh, man, success to me is happiness. You know, um, I have to say in the last, I'm 51, by the way. Which, I mean, no one can see you, but if they could see you, they would not believe that for a nanosecond. So good on, good on genetics and good on your, (laughs) good on your diet. Drink drink your water. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's like, I didn't really become successful. I I broke into the uh, business when I was 33. Okay. Oh God, that's a long time. I was thinking it was just like 10 years ago. (laughs) Oh my God. That's hilarious. I've been in the business almost what? (laughs) Sorry, I was laughing so I was laughing so hard. I was doing one of those silent laughs. The the kind that are like (laughs) I was laughing so hard my ear thing popped out. Um that's a long time. 18 years. That's a long time. Okay. So the key to success is happiness. And I feel like that's what I've always kind of strived for, right? Is just to be happy and have joy. Um, But success a long time ago used to mean um, money, right? Money, stuff, things. Yeah stuff, things. And then I met my husband and the guy is so good with money and, and like way beyond me. And it, he taught me a lot and it's like, money doesn't make you happy. Right. And it's like what we have together makes us happy. So the key to success in all areas of your life is happiness. I love it. I love you. You've always been a happy, wonderful you. person in my life. Um, I feel very fortunate. Poor, I feel bad for every hairdresser that's ever come after you since I've moved and all those things because you've set such a high bar with your artistry <laughs> in my head and with your positivity and with your wonderfulness. Um, you were the first person that introduced me to extensions, which I have to tell you, I'm going on record right now. I have always, no one has ever known that when I had locks upon locks of hair, that it was some beautiful Italian woman's hair that I've never met. Um, And there used to, there were, there are still celebrities with more money than God who can afford these things left, right, and center. And people all the time would be like, your hair looks so incredible. How come so-and-so their hair looks like shit? And I'm like, (laughs) they don't have Gerilyn Stevens on their, on their head. 
blows. Doesn't that blow your mind? The people with money who have bad extensions, it blows <laughs> my mind. I was telling mind. you, girl, but, I had no money and my head looked great. <laughs> girl, I have to tell you, when you sat in my chair that one day and you're like, I am a, you were like, I'm a lifeguard at the beach <laughs> for a, a kid's camp. I was like, wait, what? Wait. <laughs> you're like, do you understand how much money is sitting on your head right now? And why are you treating it like shit? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, okay, first of all, you're going to braid your hair. Okay. (laughs) And oh my God, I remember, I was like, I can't guarantee these. Yeah. (laughs) After we've spent four four hours of putting them in, you're like, please, please, please don't roll around in sand (laughs) and go in the ocean and, you know, hit your head on volleyballs and do awful things that do nothing for your head of hair. Which somehow you, you managed it. Yeah, my my head held on to those like a champ for some reason. But I, I attribute that to your abilities and making me look good all the time. Um, Thank you. I'm telling you, you're a wizard and a wonder. Well, I am so appreciative that you came on today and shared some of your story with us. I'm so proud of you for writing a book because you have been a manifester the whole time I've ever known you. <sighs> You know, we used to sit, I used to sit in your chair and we'd have long conversations about this is what I'm working on. I just see it. I'm going for it. We're going to do it. But it's so crazy because like you, yes, it's like we all, it's, that's who we attract. Yeah. Like-minded. So like having you in my chair was just perfect. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah, long philosophical conversations about glory, which was all the more reason why you had to be on today. So I appreciate you coming on. I absolutely adore you. Where should our listeners uh, find you like social media wise, if they want to follow you or see your work or (laughs) what you do? Uh, well, everything for me is Gerilyn Stevens, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, right? Um, so GerilynStevens.com. Uh, Hollywood Hairstylist is an easy way to find me as well for Facebook and Instagram. Um, but all you can connect to me through my website We as will well, put up all the links. It's just good that. for people to yeah. hear if they're thinking, oh, I'll yeah. go home and look her up. So, yeah. Yeah. Hollywood Hairstylist. Come find me. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they go. You got it. I adore you. Thank you for being my guest. Next time I'm in LA, I'm going to come bugging me. you. I'll come knock on your oh door and God. bug you. I cannot wait to see you in person. It's this year is crazy. But I hope like, it's not COVID because I'm going to jump you anyway. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I keep telling everybody, can we just pretend it's 2022 and then we all just hug it out real hard? That's just it. Yeah. Everybody's like 2021. I'm like, no, it's 2022. Two. The anything. Yeah. You know, just get it in your head and you'll have a great year. My mind's already going (laughs) to that. And everything that happens between now and then is just going to be filler. But that's okay. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. I love you too. Say hello to the family and uh, I'll talk to you sooner than later. I will. All right. Bye, girl. Bye. Alright everybody, today's episode is brought to you by The Raven Cafe, located at 142 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. I love this place, I eat there all the time, and let me tell you why. The Raven Cafe features a full, all-organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines. Their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients, many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. 
You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us? Or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. To get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming, your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.